Everyone knows how to play poker. 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 But do you know how to play poker well? Well, get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games. Hear interviews with the stars. Get information on when to play, where to play, and how to play better poker. Poker. This is Poker Action Live, a weekly poker show with your hosts, Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez. And welcome once again, everybody. This is Poker Action Line. We come to you weekly. You can always pick us up on SoundCloud. is probably the best place to find the show. Of course, our website, PokerActionLine.com, has a link to some past shows. And usually the latest show, of course, uh, Oldham Radio Network picks us up. Uh, I know they aired us over the weekend, and I got a tweet uh, for the list of their shows. I think we were on right in front of the Andy Ump podcast. Yep which is slightly older than ours. They started, I think, a year before we did, or maybe a couple of years before we did. And uh, one of the longest-running shows. Us, I say, we've got to be right up there, almost 10 years. Uh, yep. Bernard Lee is uh, a little over 10 years now, 11, I think. But anyway, we've been around. And uh, Poker Fuse podcast page, also a good place to get the show and look and see what we've done uh, in the last few weeks. And, of course, iTunes or anywhere you get your podcasts. But uh, we come to you weekly, and uh, we're just coming off the Seminole Hard Rock Poker Open, which is their big tournament. Uh, only a $3 million guarantee this year. Only? Three million prize pool. Uh, the first couple of years, they had $10 million. The first year, they made it easily. They had like a $12 million prize pool. Then the next year, they went a couple million short. And... Uh, since then, they dropped it a little bit. Several years at $5 million. This year, they dropped down to $3 million. Of course, there's so much going on following the World yep. Series and stuff going on everywhere, obviously. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're talking, what, about a, a little less than a month uh, before the main event had just ended, and right. they keep running even some more tournaments now. Back then, that used to be it. You know, now for the last few years, they've, they've added a few more tournaments after the main event. Right, exactly. So, you know... It's funny. I mean, three million. It's funny that we're here talking about. Well, only three million. You know, it, it, it really <laughs> is. You know, but well, I'm not saying only, but uh, you know, I guess everything's relative in in today's world. Uh, we talked with a few players out there this week. I got a couple of interviews tonight. Uh, I spent a long time with Matt Savage. Matt, of course, uh, runs the uh, Tournament Directors Association, and they had the big meeting uh, in late June out at the World Series and came up with a few things. We've talked about. A couple of things last week, but I had Matt explain some of that. I'm not sure we're going to get to that tonight because I want to talk about the Seminole Hard Rock Poker Open, which had their big four yesterday. I went by to check that out. And uh, a bunch of our friends uh, that I've known over the years and had on the show doing very well. Uh, Jessica Dolly, uh, one of my favorites in the game, just a sweet girl. Uh, former Air Force uh, soldier. And was, uh, of course, uh, she's from Indiana, I think, originally. But she's lived down here for quite some time. She won the ladies' event last year. Not this past summer, but the summer before. Won the ladies' event, which was really the highlight of her career. And I say that this one's got to surpass that. Because she won the 2650 buy-in. Uh, outstanding uh, table of tremendous players. And uh, she made a big comeback late in the tournament. She was, I think, uh, when there was nine players left, I think she was like third from the bottom. And she had some good rundowns there and uh, ended up going head-to-head with Faraz Jaka. So I walk in the door and I see Jess there uh, uh, right by the door on the 2650 final table. And uh, absolutely shocked because I, I knew she was playing and I knew she was in the final table, but she made a huge comeback. And then she was trailing about seven million to about a million and a half, Ooh. and came back, took the lead, 
And as it turned out, they played for like five hours. Head wow. It's pretty amazing. I was going to stick around because I wanted to interview her, have her on the show. And she had promised me she would be on the next time I saw her. So it would have worked out perfectly for that. But <laughs> as it turns out, uh, I left about, I guess, about 8.30. And they played to like 11. So, wow. So she oh. was the last one to finally nail down the trophy. But there were four events in the Big Four. Uh, Sean Deeb was uh, down to the final three when I walked in the door. There was a player named Albert Daher and also uh, uh, Olivier Bousquet was also at the final table with the three of them. They played for a long time. Finally, Olivier went out in third place. Sean then had a big lead on Daher and put him away pretty quickly. So uh, once they got down to two, uh, Deeb wins. Uh, Funny because last year in the high roller, he finished second to uh, Jake Schindler. Wow, so nice. It was big for her. Uh, Jessica also was looking for a big comeback after she bubbled the final table last year in this 2650, which Alex Foxen went on to win. So uh, she had talked about in her interview that it was kind of some revenge for her because she wanted to prove herself after getting knocked out last year. Uh, there was an $1,100 event that was finishing up. Uh, a pretty unknown Irish player named Keith Brennan Took that one down. In fact, the final, when I walked in, there was about six players still left, and I didn't know a single one of them. (laughs) Uh, But they played on, and they finally finished out. Uh, Also, there was the uh, championship, the $5,250 main event, which uh, had the $3 million guarantee, and that was won by Sean Winter, who, uh, when I walked in there, I think he had 18 million chips, and the next closest player had 3 million. But again, they played for a long time, even after that. But pretty interesting series. Sean wins uh, the big one there. And uh, let's see, he won. Uh, uh, let's see, where is that one here? He, he won 698000 So that was uh, a, a pretty nice turnout. That, that prize pool was over $4 million, So they had guaranteed $3 million. They sailed up past four. So another tremendous tournament. Probably maybe the last one in the event center over there because they will have the new poker room. I think they're even build, building a tournament room over there. So a tremendous amount of tables and a lot of good stuff. Of course, there were uh, all together, there were, I think, 19, event, 19 or 20 events going into the big four. 23-day festival, 27 trophies awarded altogether, and 30 players cashed for six figures or more. Wow. So still one of the great tournaments in the game of poker, and uh, you know something tells me I think they're gonna they're gonna jack up those those pot those guarantees for next they year might. at they the, might. the Guitar Hotel. Well, people are excited about it. There's a lot of talk about it. They have a whole new uh, layout in the uh, casino. I looked and walked around in that a new area eating area that used to be right by the room. So that's all taken care of. Uh, the Qatar Hotel looks just about done, but if you go up to the parking lot and kind of look look at it from a sixth or seventh floor, you can see that a lot of the uh, shrubbery and the uh, yeah, stuff well, around the building still needs to be done. Exactly, but those are the small things. They can get that done really quick. I would say, and uh, I was talking to Tony about it, and he said, yeah, they really want to hit their date, which is October 24th, the opening of the hotel. The next night, the... Hard Rock Live reopens again with a show by Maroon 5. So it's really national. So they're going to bring it back outside, yeah, right? Yeah, they are. Well, it's, it's, it's an indoor building, but it's separate from the hotel. Exactly. Yeah. It's separate like they used to do. Yeah, exactly. 
So, I hope they did the seatings a little bit better. <laughs> that was the only thing I didn't like. The venue was nice, but the seating. Well, I think uh, I think in a lot of those places, you put in an arena and you have a lot of stuff on the floor, like maybe, uh, maybe sports or basketball or whatever true. they do. You know, you kind of the seats on the side face toward the middle. But if you have a concert, you'd love to have them on an angle where you wouldn't exactly. have to Ex- hurt that's your back. That's exactly it. So, so I have I, not seen a sporting event there, but I have seen a lot of great acts there. And um, you know, as a matter of fact, I saw it on the billboard. I told my wife, "Look, Andrea Bocelli, which I saw there many years ago, right. and it was wonderful." But yeah, you're you're facing the center, and you got to look a little to your left. So, so uh, big champion uh, is uh, Sean Winter. Uh, the other big story was uh, the twenty-five or the fifty thousand super high ro- roller, which was a couple days earlier, won by Jason Mercier. That's our boy. Yeah, we uh, we love Jason. Uh, I did get a chance to talk to him briefly. He has a very shaggy long beard now. Uh, wears black glasses a lot of time, and his hair is receding a little bit on the top. So he looks uh, completely different from the young buck that uh, str- strutted around in Listen a white suit. As on long the, as his wife likes it, that's all that matters. Exactly, strutted around uh, in the white suit on the big game, and then some of the commercials when uh, you know Poker Stars was real big in that full tilt, and, and a lot of those TV commercials. So he's changed. His look has changed a little bit over the years. Uh, got a chance to talk to him briefly. Um, very excited that he was able to come back and not feel rusty. He sat right down. Of course, he got a big lead, and it's always easier to play when it's like that uh, in the final table. But he did not feel uh, nervous or, or uh, out of practice. He uh, played very well and, and, and took down that tournament. So uh, I think he won about 700000 for that one. So uh, that was another one of the big names that uh, really marquee names throughout this thing. A uh, couple other notable uh, winners included uh, Georgie Belianen, who was the guy who got tossed out of the World Series of Poker for for, for raking the chip stack to the guy next to him. It was not as his seat at the time, but cheating, basically, and taking... He was drunk. Well, he was drunk. Made a big scene, and he's not the guy who took his pants down. That was another guy who got tossed out. But this guy, uh, I don't know, I think he's Russian or from the Czech Republic or something like that. But he uh, he won two tournaments in this series, which is pretty good. He won the uh, PLO8 and the Big O, so he's a good mixed game player. But uh, not the king of etiquette, I guess. Well, listen, when you're drunk, you can do a lot of stupid things. If you hadn't been accused of any cheating prior to that, because that's not, you know, usually... If you're not drunk and you do that, it's because you plan to do that. You right, know, when you're right. drunk, and listen, I've seen too many drunk people do things that, you know, when they're when they're not drunk, that I've known them very well. They, you know, they're wonderful. But you know, alcohol sometimes changes your perspective, and you know, you start seeing things that aren't there. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, I talked with uh, Tony Miles. I have the end interview. We're going to play tonight. Tony, of course, is second place finisher to John Sin in last year's. World Series of Poker main event uh, really came off great, and I, and you know, he was he was someone you wanted to root for. You're yeah, really good nice in that kid. final table, and and really has an interesting story because he had a very bad addiction problem with alcohol and drugs, and and made a huge comeback, end up winning five million dollars last yeah. year. Just a and really I, nice. And kid. I remember he knocked out the uh, former uh, main event winner. Um, what's his name? Uh, that was on the final table also. Uh, yeah, I can't remember. You're going, oh my God! Going back to a year and a half. I mean, yeah, it's kind of but, long time to go back. but he 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 made a lay down when he actually had a better pocket pair, but obviously not knowing it. Right. And um, 
And then later on, he wound up knocking him out because he made a call with a, a similar hand and had him, you know. Oh, uh, Josephy? Cliff Josephy? No, it wasn't Cliff Josephy. It was uh, the young man, I think, from. Uh, he had won many years ago. And then right after that main event, he Ryan won. Ryan Reese? No, not Ryan Reese. Damn, I can't believe I can't remember this. I'll young look man's it up. Name. I'll look it up. But, um, you know, he was getting very aggressive. And he put a bet, uh, you know, uh, Tony put a bet, raise, and this guy went all in after him. And if I remember the hand correctly, I think it was pocket fives that Tony had against pocket fours. Tony laid it down. And then a little while later, you know, same, you know, made made a move. And this time I think he made the call with eights or nines. And, you know, the push was made with a lower pair, and his, his pocket pair held up to knock uh, that gentleman out and, Man, I can't believe I can't remember the the young man's name. Well, I can't uh, can't say that he's had a huge amount of su- success since then in the last year, but he did uh, get a little publicity in June when he appeared on the TV program American Ninja Warrior. Uh, Sean Deeb uh, challenged him and said, uh, "You know, I'll give you twenty-five to one if you make it through the the uh, all the obstacle courses." And uh, he didn't have to win the show, but I think he had to finish all the things. He ended up falling on uh, the third one. He did the first two, and then he fell on the third. Uh, and they made a bet over the course of three years, so he can actually go back next year at twenty to one, really, and the year after at fifteen to one. So he he's going to try that. But uh, he did get some publicity. It's funny he took the uh, he took the twenty five thousand in a bag to the show and gave it to the hostess of the show to hang on to while he did his. Uh, Competition, so it's kind of funny. Anyway, I asked him about that a little bit. That'll be part of that interview today. Uh, speaking of Cliff Josephy, he did win an event here, the 2650 PLO tournament for 40,000. Uh, I mentioned Sean Deeb, who won the high roller. Uh, some other uh, interesting names that won tournaments: Sam Panzeca and Jonathan Little won the $2,200 eight-handed hold'em tournament. So, uh, the Jeff Conine tournament was a huge success. Uh, Roberto Luongo. Mark Duper and a few other athletes played. Got a chance. They raised 195,430 oh, some players. So really a great week since we've been on the show last week and a lot of stuff happening. So next year they'll have a new room and there'll be a lot of interesting stuff. So I'm very excited about the future for the Seminole Hard Rock in Hollywood. Not that I, uh, I guess I make it kind of obvious that I'm a big fan and I uh, have Tony on a lot, Tony, Tony Burns and a few other people so definitely uh moving along and moving on up so the guitar hotel is going to be <laughs> when they start putting that light show on from the on the side of the guitars oh, pretty cool pretty really cool. cool i've seen a little bit of it but uh uh matt savage told me that the you hoping to be room, there for the media the people coming yeah, in yeah absolutely and of course they wanted to be open for the super bowl which comes to town in, in uh, february exactly. this year so uh that will be huge and i'm sure that place will be packed to the gills at about It'll be good so they can work out any kinks uh, in in whatever facets they have there for the for the hotel and everything else to make sure they're going to be they're going to be really showcased for the Super Bowl this coming year. Absolutely. Well, that's enough talking for me. We'll hear from some of our players. Uh, did talk with Perry Shaw, who is a uh, former dealer at the Hard Rock and uh, won the uh, the the uh, Monster Stack a few years ago. And uh, we've had him on the show before. Really nice kid and uh, has had a couple of nice caches as well. This series. Also, Sony, Tony uh, Sinistaj, uh, who was there at the uh, event this year and won the Seminole Hard Rock Showdown 
uh, in 2017. So he's had some success here as well. He's from Flushing, New York. And he couldn't have been nicer, just a super nice guy. And I talked to him before day two because he had he was like fourth in chips at the time. And uh, he was very kind to give me a few minutes there as well. So we'll hear a couple of those shows, uh, those interviews when we get back. We'll take a break here on the show, and we'll be back. You're listening to Poker Action Line. Stick around. Some great uh, interviews from some people that I know you that I know you know and love. So uh, we'll talk to them when we come back. This is Poker Action Line. This is Big Dave for PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Want to know what's really cool? Your charitable tax-deductible donation every time you play. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com, the feel-good gateway to fun and prizes. Play free. Learn our system. Get 50,000 free chips and play for prizes. Play for scholarships that benefit Caribbean students. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Take it from Big Dave. A win for you is a donation to Caribbean education. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Can you tell if the surfaces in this kitchen are crawling with bacteria that could cause chronic arthritis? Listen. Can't, can you? You can't see it either. Wash surfaces, utensils, and hands frequently with soapy water while preparing food, especially when handling raw meats or eggs. Raw food may contain bacteria that can make you very sick or worse. One in six Americans will get sick from food poisoning this year, and roughly 3,000 will die. But you can keep your family safer by cleaning with soap and water as you go. Learn more about this and other important information. Check your steps at foodsafety.gov. That's foodsafety.gov. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Agriculture, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. WFO Radio, NHRA Nitro, is all about the NHRA Drag Racing Series. Featuring the NHRA's Alan Reinhardt, race winners stop by to talk about bringing home the Wally. Every Tuesday night, following NHRA national events, NHRA Nitro is available on demand anytime on the WFO radio application and at WFORadio.com. Welcome back to the show. Big Dave Lemon, Joe Rodriguez here. And uh, one of the biggest tournaments of the year, of course, not the World Series that uh, was all summer out there in Vegas, but the biggest one. Uh, probably in the United States, I'd say besides that, is uh, the series down here for the Seminole yep. Hard Rock Poker Open. And uh, as I mentioned, uh, 27 bracelet winners, 30 players winning over $100,000. So, wow, that's uh, amazing. It really a is. A lot of money on the line, a lot of fun. I uh, just wanted to mention briefly about uh, Jason. Uh, they had a picture. In fact, his, he, his uh, wife, Natasha Mercier, uh, formerly... Uh, I don't even remember her uh, name Maybe from name? before. Uh, <laughs> Barber, uh, Natasha Barber, when she was in Tampa. And uh, they have a baby, Marco, that's uh, he's almost two now, I guess. Uh, well, I think he'll be two in November. But uh, they brought him over Little to the... Little cutie pie there. Yeah, they had him out uh, one night. Just a great kid. And uh, so life for Jason is great. He's a big family man anyway. The funny thing, I heard an interview with him, and he's, they said, well... You're going to have a few more? And he goes, I don't know. I think uh, I think Natasha feels like this is enough. Uh, that she my, did her that, job. Yeah, my, my. And he goes, I'd have 100 if I could. <laughs> well, listen, 
Raising a family is not easy, and but you know, you know, we know how smart this young man is, and I'm sure he's got his finances well in order to be able to raise any more children. But Mama has to <laughs> has to be on board with that plan. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the win brought his career earnings to 19.4 million dollars. Uh, he beat uh, 40 other players in this high stakes event. Uh, dominated the final table, 82 hands on the f- complete final table, including nine in head-to-head play against Frank Falk, and uh, wins $715,000 in that tournament. So that was one of the highlights for me. I'm a big fan of Jason's, and uh, he's always been very nice with his time and doing the interviews and that sort of thing. So uh, I was glad to see that. And I'm also a big fan of Jess, Jess Dolly, too, who uh, won the 2650. Not a big fan of Sean D, but I uh, didn't even want to approach him because he can be pretty sarcastic and nasty at times. Uh, I guess he's a good guy. Just had a baby. He's married and everything. Oh, but Congratulations to but him. He doesn't hesitate to say what he thinks against other players and things that happen. Ripped uh, Phil Hellmuth about some of the uh, staking stuff that he was doing, and uh, Sean will say what he wants. But well, that's, you know, I guess he's if, earned that. If, if he's earned that, and if he tells the truth, nothing wrong with that. You yeah. know, sometimes people don't want to hear the truth. So, absolutely. Let's hear from a couple of players we talked to. Uh, start with Perry Shaw, a former poker dealer, and uh, he gave me a couple of minutes before he was getting ready to to uh, take off for date two. Here's what uh, Perry had to say. An old friend of the show, Perry Shaw. Uh, I can't believe it's been, uh, what, four, five, over four, four years, four, almost four, five. five years, yeah. 2015 flying, yeah. was the year you won the Monster Stack. Um, do you do you play a lot the uh, uh, last couple like, years? I play, like, part-time. Um, I go to Vegas every year, but I have some business on the side, so I, fo- I tend to focus on, like, like the main, main objective. But um, whenever I have time, I, I always enjoy playing poker. And, yeah, and to, to come back and see see the people I used to work with and everybody, like all the familiar faces. Yeah, you used to deal here, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's good to, it, feel, it feels like home. And this is like the, like the mother casino, and I, and I haven't gotten first place in this casino yet, so we're looking, we're looking to break that, break that streak. Well, you know that people who do interviews with me down that, that tournament, they always do very well, so Uh-oh. I see a big comeback coming for you today. Let's go. Thank you, Dave. No pressure on it, but uh, what's that like uh, having somebody that you used to deal the next table over with uh, maybe five to ten years ago, and now here you are playing in front of them as a well-known player? Uh, it's it's very exciting uh, because you get to you get to see them on the other side and now you're on the same side competing. It's uh, it's fun. It's uh, it's part of the it's part of the adrenaline and it, what's it, what's built in you, you know. So like we we, we like to compete, win or lose, but um, it's uh, it's definitely a lot of fun. I know you played the monster stack again this year. You did okay, uh, pretty good. You, you probably. Uh, not to your satisfaction, no, you would have. Yeah, not as good as the 2015 results. But <laughs> yeah, but every year I go out there with a with a blessed mindset. Um, uh, a lot of people wish they could be in our spots, so we don't take anything for granted. We stay grounded, and um, just every day we're every day we're every day we wake up. It's a it's, it's a it's a it's a beautiful day. Speaking of waking up, uh, do you feel uh, you know? very positive about the fact that you could sleep in your own bed and come over here to some major tournament with the best players in the world absolutely and to be able to compete with the best and and painting there too which is uh which is the the best the best experience of this of this uh of this uh 
tournament. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so heading into today, what's the plan? Uh, do you try to double up early? You just uh, I'm gonna you'll... play a little more. I'm gonna play a little aggressive okay. uh, early on because I, I I have a shorter stack and it, there's a there's hour levels, so people are gonna be tend to be more patient. So it gives me a gives me a little little go to to set. Well, Poker Action Line is right behind you. Good luck today. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you, guys. That is Perry Shaw, and uh, as he mentioned, he has not won a uh, trophy in uh, the Seminole Hard Rock in Hollywood. Uh, has won many tournaments in the past, but uh, it's kind of like a uh, last thing for his bucket list as far as poker wins go. But here's a guy who did uh, win one a couple of years ago at the Seminole Hard Rock uh, Showdown, the WPT tournament. Tony Sinishtaj from New York. I'm with Tony Sinishtaj, and... You're no stranger to this place here. Obviously, you won the showdown a couple of years ago here, and you've already got a second place finish in the 2200. So right. you're obviously playing well, uh, and you carry a, a big chip stack into today. Fourth place currently going into day two. Tell us a little bit about the success you've had here. I mean, it's pretty incredible. I mean, I feel real comfortable here. Um, my brother lives close by, so I stay with him, get to spend some time with his kids. So I. I sleep well, I eat well while I'm here, and I feel like I play well, I think clearly. The place feels like home, even though I don't live here, but it definitely feels like home here. Actually, a second home, really. Yeah. You know, you come here, and, and you got to be comfortable because you've been in these uh, surroundings before, obviously. Um, what's your approach here now on day two? You have a nice stack, you just kind of uh, ride the wave, or do you uh, do you exploit the, the size of your chip stack versus the other people at your table? I had a pretty big stack most of day one so I'm going to continue to do the same you know put pressure on people and um, the plan really is just to try to play well and try to play my best that's that's my that's usually my my goal no matter what my trip stack is is just not get carried away yeah. and just try to just really just try to focus and play my best hand by hand yeah, hand by hand you just uh no don't get too excited or too uh yeah. too crazy right that's right but is it uh a lot of people do you think at your table that you're going to be able to have an idea of how they play or does that take you a while to get settled in I with mean, that most, uh, i looked at my table draw I, I know a handful of them the ones that i didn't know i you know looked them up got an idea of what they've done and the thing is my, my table is going to break i think we're like fourth to break so it doesn't really matters more going to matter where i get where i get put once we break uh, what do you think about the the way uh, the tournaments run down here and 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 the attraction of to the big players everybody kind of has this as a must play tournament i mean the hard rock tony burns they just do a great job the structures the the way they treat the players it's great like i, lo I love the place Seems to be a good overlap with events to the 2200. You, you came in second to Jonathan Little, so you know I, I was in there the other day and I saw how many great players. So it, it's always a big challenge, but uh, you always seem to come up to to ride to the top. Um, it's, a lot of it has Not to, to do brag, with, right? you know. A lot of it has to do with you know some <laughs> some run good, some luck, obviously. Right. You know, it's, that definitely was a tough field in the 2200, but you know I was played well enough, was lucky enough to to make it down a second. And what's your plan for the rest of the tournament? Obviously, you're going to be tied up with this one, hopefully, uh, through the whole thing to the big four. But if you were to get knocked out, would you jump right into something else? I definitely would, but really the plan is to play in this as long as possible. But if, if something unfortunate happens, yeah, there's definitely other things to play. Well, congratulations on the success you've had here. Good luck today. Thank you so much. 
Uh, Tony Sinistaj, uh, who's had success there at the Hard Rock, and again, he made it through day two and into day three, ended up finishing in 14th place in the main event, uh, collecting, uh, let's see, $45,395 was his payout for that. Uh, 809 players played in that uh, tournament, so a really great tournament. and uh, what can you say, but uh, when you continue to do great in some of these tournaments down here, there's got to be a, a key, and, and he told you exactly what that was. Yep, yep. Well, listen, and you, like you said, he's just looking to break break a little bit there, and then, you know, he's he's played outstanding poker, 14th place. That's impressive. Right, exactly. So uh, he also uh, finished seventh in a tournament at the uh, 2018 Seminole Hard Rock Poker Showdown after winning the year before in 2017. So uh, a lot of great stuff from him. And uh, he now is up to uh, career earnings of uh, $1.59 million. So, again, another guy who's uh, playing pretty well. Yeah, and you can well, sure he'll get down here whenever he can. And like he said, he feels comfortable playing down here. loves the way that, that Tony Burns has set up the structures. So, you know, when you feel comfortable... You just come in with nothing on your mind, nothing that that upsets you as far or concerns you as far as uh, the tournament structure and how it's being run. Right, exactly. Uh, Last week we talked a little bit about this uh, staking controversy surrounding uh, Nick Marchington. And there's been a lot of uh, reaction over the last week that I wanted kind of to discuss. There's a lot of people backing Nick saying, listen, he canceled uh, the staking agreement that he had at 1.2 markup uh, before the tournament because he wasn't going to play. Then he decided to play. They'd already canceled the event. He'd uh, sent out the money. Uh, They complained that uh, the first day of the tournament went through and they hadn't got their money yet, but that was strictly because they had someone else paying them. They already had the money and they hadn't hooked up with him yet. So that wasn't the key. Uh, The problem that makes him look bad is that he ended up getting a new staking deal for 1.7%. So after he decided that he would play, he went out and uh, searched out some backers. So that just kind of puts a bad taste in your mouth when you look at that. Yeah, well, especially if you gave your word that you were going to do it for, what was it, 1.2 was earlier or something like that? Yeah. You know, it just looks like you canceled it because you found a a backer who was willing to give you more, more, more of a percentage so, well, and just to just to see some of the outlook of some of the people that have commented. One is Barry Schulman, who did win a bracelet this year out the world. Of course, the uh, publisher of Card Player yep. magazine, and of course, married to uh, Alan Jaffrey Schulman, who is a lawyer and also has won some uh, big events before. And of course, Jeff is his son. So they've been in poker a long time, written about a lot of things. Uh, Schulman actually said it was not honorable, the, his behavior there. He took a look at the situation, and uh, it gets a little bit cloudy because he did end up taking a better deal. And what uh, Schulman said is, uh, you know, they had a contract. That means there was an offer and an acceptance. It means it was binding, He's, unless that contract said he could renege if he got a better deal. Then Marchington was clearly out of luck. But the group called Seabiscuit, uh, did accept their money back, which changes the situation. And he said Marchington comes out of this looking like he is not honorable by trying to break the agreement. Um, but he, again, says, as it turns out, 
did nothing really illegal, but he's going to have to live with this and his reputation over the years. Yep, it really is. That that's the whole thing. You you lose your reputation, and most people can't even come close to getting it back. So you know, he's. I don't know. Has has he gone out there to to make a big talk about it? Yeah. No, I don't think he has. I think he's kind of avoided that. But there was somebody that uh, wrote a story, uh, and, and ironically, it was also on Card Player. This was on CardPlayer.com. Uh, one of their writers, Gavin Griffin, that's also a very good player, uh, calls the Seabiscuit guys uh, predatory poker staking group, attempting to steal from Marchington. You know, so he says nobody comes out looking great out of this thing, but um, he says that uh, since the piece was canceled before uh, he registered for the main event, that he's not liable for any of that money. And uh, he said uh, they agreed to the cancellation, even though they expressed some reservations about his behavior, then they accepted the refund. So that should be the end of the story, basically. Uh, and he doesn't want to quote that. Uh, he's been a had a backer for a long time, and this is the key that I got out of his uh, story: is that he said, "My backer, we have no paper contract in place. I trust him, and he trusts me. I bought pieces of other players in many situations, and I haven't had a bad experience yet." Uh, it comes down to this: know who you're dealing with. Exactly. You know, I mean, it's usually a gentleman's agreement for most of these backers. I would imagine. I mean, I don't know. How many contracts are signed? Although we do know Jamie Gold, back when he won the main event, they withheld his money. So they obviously had something in paper, you know, until that was squared up, they didn't release those funds. So, you know, I I don't know many people who have backers down here, and most people don't even talk about it regardless uh, whether they do or not. So... You know, maybe this will get things put out more legally and, and everything else just to avoid a situation like this. But like you said, if the, if the original backer accepted his money back and there was nothing in there that said, hey, if you go back in, we're, we're taking you, we're going to stake you for the same deal. You know, you know, we're in murky waters here because somebody's reputation is at stake and, you know, according to what they said, the the backers are a little bit predatory, yeah, so exactly. you know, I, we don't know which which side to land on. Well, to be of, of course, with you. they all come out with this after we watch it on TV and we see him collect uh, whatever one point. Uh, I think it was one point five million for finishing in seventh place and getting a lot of TV time and everything. Griffin says basically that uh, legally. Marchington did nothing wrong. He well, he really if he if he honestly was not going to play. If it was all in his mind that he didn't like the deal that he ended up getting, and was looking for a better one, then that's a little bit shady. Yeah. How how are we going to know that? Yeah. How how are we well, ever we'll going what, to know that? Yeah. You we'll know? see. And who knows if he'll He'd tell the truth. He'd have to come out and admit to that, but, which I don't think he's going to do. But as Griffin says, he said, if you're not happy with the price you sold at, or realizes you realize that you could have gotten better, I think you just need to t- chalk that up to experience. And, Try better the next time. Exactly. You know, and, and we know he's not going to tank, obviously, but, you know, hey, um, <laughs> this is such a, uh, you know, such a sticky situation. Yeah. Because we really don't have all the details. But there's people on both sides, and uh, Matt Salzberg actually put out a poll on uh, for people to voice their opinion on Twitter, and he said, uh, gave the whole story, pay, player sells a piece of himself, to buyer A, buyer A sends money, is booked, but before tourney, 
starts, player refunds buyer A and says deal voided, uh, then sells to buyer B at a more markup. He goes, is this fine, kosher, standard? 8% out of 2,676 people said yes, that's, that's fine. But 51% yes, but scummy. <laughs> and 41% no, no, sale final if booked. Yeah. Again, this is. I don't think either side's going to win on this on this situation. Yeah, probably not. Anyway, uh, I wanted to try to talk to Cliff Josephy about it, and he was sitting right behind me at the uh, at the Big Four, and I didn't get a chance to talk to him. But he has been known as a famous staker over the years, as under the name Johnny Bax, and uh, probably had some interesting thoughts. But uh, he was busy, and I didn't get a chance to grab him. So. Anyway, we'll see what happens uh, if uh, Marchington comes out. Of course, uh, Maurice Hawkins uh, got his deal. We mentioned that last week. He got that all settled out with his backer, so he's doing okay. And uh, moving on from that, he uh, had a third-place finish in this tournament that was just completed up in uh, North Carolina at uh, uh, Harris-Cherokee. Uh, there was that whole series, but there was also the Global Casino Championship. The winner was Ryan Eriquezo. Remember Ryan? I don't know if you remember. Uh, we had him on the show very early in our run, back when we were at the station. And uh, he was a great guy. Uh, but, you know, some people don't like him that well. Uh, you know, there there are some problems sometimes with his behavior in the past, and he's had some problems uh, with his anger and reacting badly in some of the tournaments got away from him. he had some uh, he too had some addiction addiction problems and has made a big comeback well, and we spoke about him it was because he had a big blowout right or I think so yeah, yeah. And, uh, now and his girl I I can't remember the name of his girlfriend but she was a well-known player she doesn't play anymore but um, I should uh, I should know that right off the top of my head but I can't remember anyway uh, he ended up winning the tournament in Harris Harris Cherokee uh, the below, the Gold Global Casino Championship, and won 279000 for winning that. Third-place finisher, Maurice Hawkins. So another great tournament for Maurice up there, who has uh, really found his spot on the circuit. Uh, and not in so many other places, but uh, still a great player. Well, you know, he, we know him to be a great player. He does get under a lot of people's skin because of his style of play. And I'm hoping that, you know, he settled this backing situation up and did, didn't paint him in a good light because of, you know, <laughs> his personal situation as to what his explanation for not paying this gentleman back, which is, you know, I don't know how well that's going to go over in the backing yeah. world if, if he's still getting backers, but he's won a lot of money and he is a tremendous player. Yeah, for sure. Uh, let's take another break on the show. When we come back, we'll hear from uh, Tony Miles. Uh Ran into them over there. They were on the rail for Olivia, Olivier Bousquet, uh, along with his girlfriend and a couple other people. And Olivia got, Olivier got knocked out, and he went ahead and uh, was kind of hanging out there. And I grabbed him, and he gave me quite a bit of time. Very interesting interview I had with him. We'll hear that when we come back. You're listening to Poker Action Line. Big Dave and Joe will be back with more after these messages. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. 
You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. A lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean, and you can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available. I joined the National Guard for Opportunity. Over 200 career choices and paid training. Money for college. A steady paycheck. Only one thing stood between me and my benefits. Basic training. I'm not going to lie. It wasn't easy. The obstacle course was really challenging. Now, I'm a National Guard soldier. I help my community. I can protect my country. I'm proud to be on this team. Because I got stronger. Because I got to go to college. The Guard helped me succeed. Call 1-800-GO-GUARD and ask us how you can prepare for basic training. Welcome back. Final segment of the show. I think we're going to save the Tony Miles interview to next week. Uh, if you're listening and you really want to hear that, uh, you'll have to make it a point to come back next week. Uh, because I, wanna, I did want to get this interview with Matt Savage. Uh, there's a lot of issues that were talked about this summer, and I don't want too much time to go by. It was at the TDA Summit. Of course, all the big names, uh, Neil Johnston, Tab uh, Duchateau from uh, the Borgata, uh, Lloyd Fontillas were all on this uh, uh, this Dias, and they discussed several things for two days. Kenny Hallert had a lot of uh, ideas, Linda Johnson, and, and a lot of people that have uh, been dealing with this over the years. But there were several uh, different uh, points that he wanted to make over some of the things they discussed. So let's get to that today, and we'll go ahead and play that. Uh, we talked about the uh, Seminole Hard Rock Poker Open and a few other things. So uh, here was Matt Savage yesterday. We'll hear from Tony Miles next week. With Matt Savage here again at the Seminole Hard Rock Poker Open, uh, another successful series. Uh, you sit down with Tony and Bill, and then just kind of go over everything, how it worked out uh, after the, in the days that you finish. Yeah, of course. You know, there's always uh, you know room for improvements. These guys always want to improve. Uh, I still think they have you know one of the best poker products out there uh, year after year, and I, they're always getting better. So uh, we always focus on you know this series and what you want to do for next year. So uh, I'm excited about it. I'm excited to come back in November for the WPT. So that's the next big thing here, and uh, I'm excited for it. Next year at this time, the Guitar Hotel will be open, a new poker room. I'm not sure, you know, where the tournaments will be or, or how that will work out, but, uh, you know, really exciting times ahead for all these guys here. Yeah, I mean, they're going to have a huge uh, tournament area and the poker room. Uh, I got a sneak peek at it. It's mm. amazing. It's a, 
a beautiful room. So as soon as you get a chance to do that, Dave, make sure you go check it out. But uh, yeah, it's it's uh, going to be probably the best poker room in the world. This was really kind of a notable series for a lot of reasons. I think, you know, another successful Conine event raised a lot of money for charity. And uh, you had Jason Mercier kind of coming out of hiding to uh, reestablish himself as uh, the top of the game or one of the tops. Uh, now here on the Big Four, pretty exciting. You got a one table with uh, well-known players like Sean Deeb and Olivier Bousquet. You got Sean Winter running over his table. But the most exciting thing for a lot of us down here is Jessica being in the head-to-head play with Faraz in the 2650, uh, really pulling for her. Yeah, you know, both those players, uh, Faraz and Jessica, have been around for a while now. Uh, always great to see Jessica at the final table, but uh, for her to win would be a great accomplishment. It's, uh, you know, we're always, I'm in a position now where we're always pulling for women to win these things because I think it just will help us build the game. So I think it's important. Uh, I'm excited to hope and see she can pull it off. Well, she, of course, is a former uh, women's ladies champ out at the World Series of Poker, but I'm sure this will be the top of her list if she can pull this one off. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, it's a big thing because it's here, you know, uh, so it's kind of like a, like a home court advantage. But at the same time, I think that she's, um, you know, she's worked hard and she's worked hard on her game. So in a show. So I'm, I'm hoping that she can uh, finish this one off. Of course, Faraz is a good friend of mine, too. So, you know. Either way, it doesn't, uh, you know, you can't really pull for one or the other, but obviously it would be nice to see her win. Absolutely. Uh, let's get to the TDA Summit because it kind of comes right before the main event out in Vegas. There's a lot of tension to a lot of uh, you know, bracelet events and what's happening there. Uh, so some of it, it little slips under the radar sometimes, but I want to talk about it because you had a lot of really important issues. And I think you were pretty thrilled with the way that turned out. I was. You know, when you get a group full of uh, 200 people, you never think you're going to be able to get focused and get everything done that you want to get done. But, you know, the group that we have, uh, you know, they're from all over the world. Uh, I think we had 33 countries represented in the TDA Summit and over 200 participants between players, tournament directors, uh, poker room managers, and the like. So, you know, anytime you can get that kind of group together and get everybody to agree on something, it's a major accomplishment. But, uh, you know... I think the focus is the same as it's always been, and that's to make things standard. And uh, I think we did a very good job of that this year as well. I haven't seen any comments from you following the main event, but it was pretty bizarre that one of the major topics was the dealers counting out the raises and that sort of thing. And then we get to the main event with Dario San Martino, and uh, a very good dealer made a very rare mistake for her and caused a lot of controversy. Uh, kind of strange the way that followed right out yeah i mean it's one of those things i really do feel like us having the dealers count the bets is going to make the dealers better there's a lot of great poker rooms in the world already doing this uh playground poker uh in montreal asperis casino in london uh maryland live has their dealers count the bets and they really don't have issues with it so i'm anxious to see how it's going to work and uh, hopefully it becomes a recommended procedure turns into a rule at some point in the future because I really do feel like it's unfair for a lot of uh, players because they can't see the bets. Uh, you know, one of the arguments I've heard against it was that people like to try and disguise their bets, and I think that's a real negative, you know, if somebody's doing that. And, you know, I'm getting older. It's tougher to see those bets sometimes. And I, I watch and I see that the dealers that are here, are, you know, they're great. They could do this easily. So I know it can happen. You know, I think we're going to have issues in some other places. But uh, I do really think it's going to be something that we're going to be doing in the future. And right now you say recommend a procedure. 
Um, how does that change as far as the TDA is concerned? When does it get to the point where it comes over into something that, I mean, it's not, you can't enforce everything at every room all over the country, but at another point, it might be pretty much standard procedure. Correct, and that's what we aim for. You know, we aim for sometimes we put things out there for people to try, see how it works for them, see how it works for the industry, and hopefully uh, we can get it solidified and then make that a standard procedure in the future. One of the other things discussed was the big blind ante, which I guess that that cow is out of the barn, you know, uh, we're going to go with that, and it works good. Uh, there are some question marks about when you get to short stacks and that sort of thing, and that's what you, you all discussed, and there was uh, some differing opinions on that one. Yeah, I mean, we had some major issues. I'm actually writing a blog about it right now, which one was done with. But basically, you know, the three biggest issues was button ante or big blind ante. We all got everybody to agree that big blind ante was the better way to go. Everybody raised their hand and agreed. A couple of people were still holding out on the on the button ante, but uh, we, you know, got them all to move over as well. So excited about that. The next thing was ante first or big blind first is such a minor issue, uh, you know, that we got everybody in the room to agree to go with ante first instead of big blind first. The problem with that is that Jack Effel, who's on the board, wasn't in there at the World Series Poker. They still use big blind ante first. He says that nobody complains about it. I say you're not going to complain about it either way as long as everybody knows what it is in the standard. And again, the goal of the TDA is to get everything standard, so if they would hopefully join us and you know go with anti-first, it would be standard. The next thing after that is are you going to reduce the anti at the final tables? As you can see in there, these players are playing heads up and they're 96 and 89 big blinds deep, heads up. Putting an extra uh, little uh, anti in the pot is not going to hurt anything. It actually is better for action. Uh, I try to promote action. I want people to play poker. I want there to be action in the pot, and I think that uh, having the ante all the way to the end does that. Was that the issue that Kenny Hallert uh, disagreed with? How the, the yeah, was he was yeah he was uh, initially against. Although he changed it. his mind, right? He, yeah, he wanted it to be not that way. Matter of fact, I'd given up. I thought after day one we were going to come back the next day, talk about it some more, but it was not going to be a a TDA recommended procedure rule or anything like that but people pushed me that night and they said we're close we can do this and the next day I reached out to people in the audience Kenny Hollard stood up and said you know what I'm ready to switch I think it's better too and that was awesome you know because he got a big round of applause everybody was excited and then we had took another vote and there was no holdouts everybody was on top on board and again the World Series poker is already doing that so I think we're there. We've talked many times about uh, your stance on the freeze-outs, that you think that uh, the unlimited entry tournaments have not been good for the game, even though you are one of the ones that were one of the initially the people who, who brought it out. Um, there's still a lot of discussion about that, and I think you still feel pretty strongly that you'd love to see all these freeze-out events, and they do have some here, which is great. Uh, but that cow is also maybe out of the barn by now. Yeah, it's, it's unfortunate that I think that you know, even though I started them, uh, it is it's that that ship has sailed, as they say, because you know it's a thing where now tournaments are looking to be revenue streams. Reentry does hurt cash games. There's no doubt about it. People are reentering in tournaments instead of going to the cash games. Tournaments used to be for bringing players in for the cash games, but that kind of has gone away now. People are now looking at revenue sources out of tournaments because they're going to be playing those and reentering. So, I think. You know, it's impossible for a guy like me or anybody in, you know, this side of the, uh, the industry to say you have to do something like that. You have to go to no reentry. You know, you can suggest it. 
I, I suggest that you have some events that are no reentry. I suggest that you have some uh, events that are single reentry and multiple reentry. I think there's a good blend of that makes for a good series. Well, we know that the almighty dollar, I guess, is eventually going to be the deciding factor. And, and a lot of people just don't want to give up the thing. Although, you know, we look at a place here in the Hard Rock that uh, I think they had one tournament where they fell short on their guarantees. So, you know, I don't know if that will change anything in the future. But having big guarantees was the way to go for several years out here to just load up the tournament. And the re-entries were a big part of that. Yeah, for sure. And then that event had a single re-entry. Missed by 63,000. You know, in the end... You're so supportive of poker here. I just, you know, you're lucky to live down here and have what you have because I work all over the world and they don't get the support for poker like they do here at Seminole Hard Rock. Uh, obscuring the face uh, was a big discussion. Uh, I, I think for the most part that's not a huge issue, but, uh, you know, obviously not a good thing for the game. Uh, of course, at the World Series of Poker, you know, you got people that want to be on TV, so they're going to come in these costumes and that sort of thing. So you got to kind of regulate that. Yeah, we actually have a rule that we brought in uh, basically says that you cannot have anything that's going to disrupt the play of the game. And, you know, that gives the tournament directors out there, the card managers, a little more latitude to, to take away from what they don't like. So it doesn't specifically say you can't cover your face, uh, only that you need to be identifiable and that uh, you have to not be a, a hindrance to the game. And I think that's going to be a plus. And, again, something we move maybe towards in 2021. Okay. There was also some stuff about stud. I don't really play that much stud myself. I didn't really uh, understand the impact of some of that stuff. Can you briefly tell our listeners that don't play a lot of stud what you guys decided out there to change the rules a little bit? Yeah, you know, stud's an old game. It's been around forever, and it's one of those things that uh, people that play it are used to a certain way. A lot of the way the rules were was just always because that's the way it always was. And we looked at those rules, and we talked to people, we talked to the players, and said, why were these rules put into place? We don't feel they're really best for the game. And they agreed. They said, you know, they're just there because they've always been there. So I think that's not a way to make a rule. That's not a way to make a decision. So we changed some of the stud rules that you'll see coming up on the TDA rules that uh, will be a big change for some stud players. Uh, the older stud players aren't going to like it as much. But, again, I play those games as well, and I think it's for the betterment of the game. So uh, we'll see it happening. Uh, there's something else I'm not covering here. Uh, can you can you lead uh, me back into the... two more... Um, no double motion raises. Okay. Was something that was always Stream there. Bets. You could always say call and then put out the call amount and then put out another amount. So now you either have to state an amount or do it on one motion. Okay. And I think that's a better thing. I mean, it just creates confusion. It's not good for the game when they do that. So I'm, I'm happy that we changed that. And, uh, you know, we had a good full two days of discussion at the TDA. At the end, I think we came up with a lot of good, good suggestions. And what's coming up? I mean, obviously, the second that ends, you start looking at a few more issues that you'd like to discuss. Uh, I think you even mentioned to me earlier in the tournament that uh, you had some stuff that you were working on. Maybe you can't release it yet, but uh, where are we trending in the, uh, in the tournament director's mind? Well, I just think, you know, trying to get things, you know, the late registration thing kept coming up. Uh, you know, Kenny Holler came up with an article about that as well. You know, trying to reel that back in as well because, you know, some people feel like it's a bigger advantage for people to register late. I, on the other hand, feel like there's things that need to be done to make sure that that doesn't happen. One of the things is that satellite players are seated at the start of the tournament uh, and that, uh, you know, people that 
pay or are in the tournament before it starts are seated. I want to see people registering early. I think it's better for the tournament. I think it's better for the numbers. And hopefully uh, we can get something done on that in the future. Last thing I, I didn't cover was the stacks on the table. Uh, put them in 20s. Uh, and you feel very strongly about that. But you weren't able to get a complete consensus on that. Uh, as, a, as a poker journalist, uh, you know, obviously that's great for us. If, if everybody did that, it'd be a lot easier to tell what's going on. And these guys that write these updates, and they do such a tremendous job. They work so hard here. Uh, it'd be a lot easier for them as well. Talk it about that. sure makes it easier for them. It makes it easier for us, too. Um, you know, one of the things that we came up with in the past was that we can do non-discriminatory or discriminatory color-ups. If we want to go over there and say you don't have your chips stacked correctly, or we're going to change your chips, you know, change the colors. You know, I know the players like to have a lot of chips in front of them, but it slows down the game, it makes it tougher for the dealers, right. it makes it tougher for the other players. It's just something that needs to be changed for the industry. And I, you know, I feel strongly about it, but I put a few polls up. Recreational players and pros alike said that they should have some kind of freedom in stacking. But uh, I think that we're, you know, coming to a point where it's either got to be 10, 20, 30, 40, and at least understand be able to see, you know, they said in the, in, the, in the meeting, if you can't tell how many chips they have, they're probably not stacked correctly. So as long as you can tell how many they have, I think that's fine. So you, you basically came out of it saying, uh, don't be sloppy. Correct. Don't be sloppy. Make them countable. They've got to be countable stacks. And what, what if there's a problem like, uh, like mine, I can't count to 20? <laughs> yeah, that might be a problem. Or the guy that says, I never have 20 chips. So, you know, that's not a, I can't stack them in 20s if I never have them. Exactly. Uh, so the work is never done, obviously. You go back to, to California soon, and uh, you'll be doing the Legends of Poker, I guess, will be the next big thing up. Uh, yeah, I'm uh, traveling, going straight back to Bay 101, and then I'll be uh, down at the uh, bike for the WPT. I'll be at Commerce uh, coming up soon for our Commerce Hold'em series, and then... You know, back here, I'm excited to come back in November. Big, big series out here in November for the World Poker Tour. Uh, they've become such a great partner for us, and, uh, you know, we're just always happy to come back to Seminole Hard Rock. Well, congratulations on another great event here. Uh, obviously, you've been recognized nationally. Tony's on the cusp of really uh, getting a lot of attention here because every, all the players, they love him. Yeah, and I mean, you know, I was uh, instrumental in him getting this position. Absolutely. And, and it's worked out beautifully because I knew that he had a, a certain, uh, you know, attraction from the players. The players down here love him. He was working, you know, down the street. I can't mention the name, but he was working over there and he was, you know, dealing in, in part-time tournaments and things like that. But I knew he had a bigger, uh, you know, a higher calling for himself. And this is it. I think he's doing a great job. Uh, I'm happy to call him a friend and happy that he's doing it as much as he is. Him and, uh, you know, with the tutelage of uh, Bill Mason here and the entire team and staff, dealers, they just do a great job. Looking forward to strumming the guitar over there uh, across <laughs> the way and uh, the lighting. Uh, I've seen some of the lighting at night when they test it out. That's going to be spectacular, yeah, too. It's going to be beautiful. This whole property has just gone undergone such renovation. You know, it was a little problematic for us, you know, the jackhammers and things like that this series. But I think in the end, it's going to be well worth it. Okay, thanks for your time again. You got it. Thank you. And that was Matt Savage, the uh, tournament director extraordinaire. Uh, as I made the point with him, you know, his his work is never done. He always has to go back uh, home to California and work on several other things. Uh, travels all over the world for the World Poker Tour, and one of the one of the true experts on the rules of the game. So it's it's always great to hear with him. He always spends a bunch of time with me uh, during the uh, tournaments down here when he comes to town. 
And he is uh, one of the foremost experts on the game, no question about it. So we really appreciate the help he uh, he lends to the program over the years. Uh, that's going to just about do it for the show. Don't worry uh, about the Tony Miles interview. We'll get to that for sure next week and maybe have a couple other things set up for you. But just a great, great tournament at the Seminole Hard Rock in Hollywood. And uh, pretty soon they'll have that hotel open, the new poker room, and things just keep getting better and better. A couple other things I'm going to talk about next week. Uh, an interesting new uh, poker stars uh, aspect to their games. It's called All In Cash Out. And, uh, you know, changes some things about the game. So we'll talk about that next week. Uh, maybe uh, get into a few of these things with Joe on his thoughts about how running a uh, room can be so complicated by some of the rules and the, and the changes that constantly are going into effect. Also, there's a fellow, Rob Young, who uh, has come up with uh, a new initiative called the Fair Play Initiative. And basically, it's to try to eradicate cheating in poker. And he is uh, the owner of the uh, Dusk Till Dawn Casino in the United Kingdom and a key partner of GVC Holdings, which owns Party Poker. So he came up with this thing, and he's encouraging online poker sites, live poker tours, casino card rooms to collaborate by sharing information on customers that have been caught cheating. So basically... It's a list of players that have uh, colluded and used bots and uh, multi-accounting and different things, and then uh, holding their feet to the fire, basically. So he has an interesting thing. We'll try to get to talk a little bit about that, and uh, we'll have some fun just discussing you know, the ways that a lot of times need to be uh, fixed out there because a lot of people will take any angle they can to uh, to try to cut corners and cheat on the game. The uh, general data protection regulation uh, is a stumbling block for uh, Yong uh, because it protects data and privacy for all citizens in the European Union. So uh, we'll talk about that angle as well when we can. Uh, But that's going to do it for tonight's show. We uh, appreciate all the help. Uh, Tony Burns was great. We'll get Tony on the show in the next few weeks to talk about the opening of the Guitar Hotel, the new poker room, and the new casino over there at the Hard Rock. Certainly looking forward to that. And congratulations to all the winners. Jessica Dolly, one of our favorites, uh, winning the 2650. Jason Mercier taking down the super high roller. And a few other players that we really know and love uh, doing very well. Been part of the show over the years, and we uh, are always thrilled when they do well. That's going to do it. We'll catch you next week on the show here. Gio, thank you as well for everything you do. Joe, thank you, and we will be back next week with another edition of Poker Action Live. The views and opinions of the hosts, guests, or callers are not necessarily those of the station, its owners, advertisers, or agencies.